Look at your neighbor and say, you need a New Year's resolution this year. I mean, and if you're a spouse, be nice, all right? And I didn't tell you to tell them what it needs to be. I just, you know, we're going to take care of that later on this morning, but just, you need a New Year's resolution. Did we, were we able to get that, the statistics, Joya, on that? Let's look at those real quick. 2015 statistics on the top 10 New Year's resolutions. Stay fit and healthy. That is combined with lose weight. So 69% of the resolution has to do with something about our physical health. And you know, I, I know why that is, because we come right out of Thanksgiving, right through Christmas. It is a killer. I mean, it's like, who set up that calendar? And it's all sweets. It, it starts with stuffing, and then it goes to apple pie. But by the time apple pie hits in Thanksgiving, I don't stop eating dessert until now, maybe. 69%. Okay, enjoy life to the fullest. I'm not sure what that means, but we're going to... I don't know how you make that a goal. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have fun today. Hold me accountable. I'm going to have fun. Right. Spend less and save more. Spend more time with family and friends. Let's go to the next one. Get organized. How many of you buy a daytime or a calendar or get a new app on your phone? Of course, this is probably true for all of them. You've got a diet app. You've got a finance app. And you've got an app to take care of your apps. As a New Year's resolution. I like this one. I'm making a resolution this year. I'm not going to make a resolution. That's for all of us who realize I never do it anyway. Not even going to do it. And don't make me do it. So all of you who are in here are thinking, if he's going to preach on this, uh, that's my resolution right there. That's not good. No, that's not good, Tabby. Yeah. You're on the worship team. You can't do that. Uh, Where am I? Learn something new, new hobby. Travel more. Read more. All right. Did you make a New Year's resolution this year? Did you wake up January 1st or sometime within the last 10 days and say, I want to make a change in my life? I hope you did, actually. I think that's good. I think that for whatever, whoever started this ritual, there's some good to it. The, the statistics say that people who explicitly make resolutions or make goals... We'll talk about this time of the year or any time of the year, are 10 times more likely to attain those goals than people who don't make goals at all. If you don't make a goal, you'll hit it 100% of the time. Right? So how do we want to live? So what else do you notice? Can you throw the, throw the, throw the top five? I mean, if you can kind of remember that, you can go back and forth if you want to. Let's, let's look at it, go, toggle between the two of them, Joya. Let's look at that again. What do we notice about, or what did you notice about all of those New Year's resolutions this year? There is some overlap, that's right. Somebody said there's nothing spiritual, that wasn't my point, but that's a good one too. What else? Ah, ah I heard it. It's all about me, thanks Sherry. It's all about me. And, of course, you know, there is something to that because if I'm making a goal, I don't need to make it for you, right? I'm not, I'm not getting a New Year's resolution. I mean, maybe I do have one for my spouse, but I'm just kidding. I can't. If I'm going to have set a goal, I, it's typically going to be something that I can achieve. So there's something inherent about it being me goals. But 
but the focus is all on me. Now, there is one. Go, go to the spend more time with family and friends. I guess that could be others-focused, right? I mean, if we're going to spend time with friends and family, it's got to be with somebody else, unless you are your favorite friend. <laughs> I'm going to make a resolution to like myself more this year. <laughs> spend more time with me. So that's, that's a little bit others-focused. But other than that, it's interesting how we tend to make a lot of goals about how we can make our lives better. But how, what, and those aren't bad. I, I think that if we're going to take care of ourselves, um, if we are in charge of our life, so to speak, then we need to be making goals about how our life is going to improve. I, I want to I be more fit and healthy this year. I want to be more organized. I want to have a better run with my finances, all those things. It's not the only way we want to set our goals, though. As a matter of fact, it's probably not the thing that should motivate us the most. What is the, the highest motivation for how we live this year? What is our highest goal, or what should it be? I think it should be to live for God. And when we live for God, we inherently live for others because that's how he's wired. We just sing about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his son to us, to live for us, to die for us, to take care of us. A good, good father is a good father, not because he's setting a lot of good goals to make his life better. A good, good father is a father that is really interested and aware and loving and concerned about his children. Live for God. If we're going to live for God, then we need to be asking God, don't we? <laughs> What's it look like to live for you? We should be devoting some of our time and energy of thinking about how can I discern, how can I understand, how can I gain insight or wisdom on who God is and how I live for him. Of course, that's what church is all about, hopefully. It's what our experience with one another is, is to spur one another on towards knowing God and living for him. So what I do and what I do yearly, what I do monthly, what I do daily, I'm wanting to say what I'm doing minute by minute, I'm saying, God, I want to live for you. Now, is living for him losing weight for me? Sure. I want to stay healthy. Is living for him getting organized? Sure. I want to be more organized so I can be more effective. Is li- so they don't, they're not mutually exclusive, but what's the heart motivation of our goals? And I think probably whoever did the, that poll asked a, asked a lot of lying people, too. Because I didn't see anything on there about, I want to get rich. And I bet there's a goal, I bet there's a few people out there that want to make a lot more money this year. I didn't see anything on that list about, I'd like to get a propo- promotion, even if it means that the person next to me doesn't get promoted. There's a lot of things on that list, I think probably if we were all really honest, probably the list would change a little bit. We're even more selfish than that list. But I want to live for God. So I want to ask God to speak to me. I want him to communicate to me. I want to hear what he's already communicated, and I want to live by it. Jonathan and I, um, this last week, we, uh, well, first of all, our basement has been a little bit torn up because we've been dealing with some mold issues in our basement, et cetera, and so we had a contractor come in, and one of the things that happened is the toilet got moved off of the, off of the, the hole. 
that what you call it, contract? Dare, what do I call that? Is it the hole? I don't know. It's moved off the hole. The toilet's been sitting by the shower in our bathroom for a couple of weeks. And mom said, you know, it'd be good. Um, that's Laura. Sometimes I call her mom. So it might be good for us to get the toilet back on. And so Jonathan and I decided to put the toilet back on. How did we do, Jonathan? Not good. <laughs> I even bought what I thought was the primo toilet bowl ring. It was not primo for our toilet. It did not work. At that moment in my life, I, I wished I could have had just, you know, like in the bathroom with me, Mr. Construction, <laughs> that I could just go, dude, what do I do here? Just, you know, da 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 boom. Even better if he does it, yada, 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 right? Computer breaks down in our house. Guess what? We're not great computer people either. And I'm thinking, man, if I just had a computer techie right here, right now, boom, tell me what to do, it's over. But we don't have those people. When I first, when we first had our first child, for all of you young parents in the room, and Molly screamed at the top of her lungs for more than 30 minutes, but like hour after hour into the middle of the night, I remember thinking to myself, Probably not this person, but you'll get the gist. I remember thinking, where is Dr. Spock when you need them? Right now, I need to know why is this girl screaming her head off and no change of diaper, no, yeah, 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 oh, sweetie, sweetie, you're so nice. Nothing's working. Tell her to be quiet. Help me. Got the picture? When we need help with tasks or things in life, wouldn't it be great to just have somebody right there that helps us? Figure out, have a solution to the problem. Have we ever stopped to think about God? And I'm not saying that God's going to help you with the toilet. I've prayed quite a few times he's never come through (laughs) in those situations. But on the bigger things of life, the meaning of why you're living, how you are to live, how you're to think, how we are to relate or experience God as a father and a friend. All these things that really are much more core than whether I get my toilet on. I, 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 for all of you out there that are really disappointed in me, yes, the toilet is still off the hole. But we have two in our house, so we're okay. But we're okay with one toilet in our house right now. But how, how all right am I without a connection with God and without a prospering relationship with the Lord. How all right are you and I not engaging or encountering or experiencing a walk with the Lord on a daily basis that helps us navigate through the the landmines that we live in? I think it's absolutely critical. God be involved in what we do, and He is. Let's look at Isaiah 30 this morning as we think about God in the context of him wanting to speak to us, him wanting to be in the midst of, of our lives. In Isaiah 30, I could have picked a new, numerous passages in Scripture, but there's some, there's some context and some verses in this passage of Scripture that really stand out to me as we talk about this topic of lending ourselves to listening to the living God who is in our life. In the context of this passage of Scripture, there's, a, there's an Assyrian empire that is looming to the north, and uh, the children of Israel are aware that there's an impending attack 
they're scared, they're afraid, um, and instead of calling out to God and trusting him, they decide to make an alliance with Egypt. Instead of saying, God, take care of us, instead of listening to what God wanted them to do, instead of yielding their lives to the Lord, they took life and their fate into their own hands. And as a result, as we see in Isaiah, um, and in, in this chapter specifically, we, we see that God pronounces judgment on them for their decision. By trusting in their own strength, by trusting in the counsel of men, their own counsel, they missed it. They severely missed it. And King Hezekiah, their king, brought great judgment on them as a result. Listen in verse 15 what God says to them. He says this, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. So if you would have returned to me and rested in me and trusted me, you'd have been saved, but you would have none of it, it says. Verse 16, you said, no, no, we will get out of, our help from Egypt, they will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. Pretty strong pronouncement. It's it's, um, as, we, as we have said to our children as they grow up, we say, if you obey mommy and daddy, and or, and we, as they get older, we extend that picture to God. When you obey God, it's like we, we, draw, we, we, we draw an imaginary circle around them, and we say, when you obey God, you're standing in the circle of protection. And when you trust and lean on God or mommy and daddy, you're safe, you're protected. But when you choose to not obey when you choose not to yield to mom or dad or you choose to do your own thing, you step out of that circle of protection and you put yourself in danger. I think that's exactly what God is saying here. It's not like God wanted, uh, it's not like God wanted to judge his children. It's not like God wanted to punish them, but they chose through the rebellion, their idolatry, we'll see later, through their insubordination towards God, towards their, we got it all on our own, God. We don't need your help. They chose, he said, well, okay, they chose to step out of that circle and take on the world. Let me tell you, the world is not looking to take care of you, is it? And they brought judgment upon themselves. We we tend to go through life, don't we, as is common to our our culture here and say, God, I'm all set. I've got this taken care of. I've got these things taken care of in my life. I can handle this or I can't do this. Some of you do the exact opposite. I can't do this. I can't do this. But instead of turning to God in your, I can't, you're halfway there. Instead of turning to God and say, God, would you help me? I trust in you. We get discouraged. We get depressed. We, we give ourselves to addiction. We escape. Because we don't run to God. God is so patient. We had a picture this morning as we were waiting on, as we were praying, as we were waiting on the Lord, there was a picture that was shared of a, of a person hanging on to a trapeze bar. 
but they were, you know, you've seen it in a hundred, you know, movies, you know, suspense thrillers, you know, hanging on to the cliff or they're hanging on the bar and they're about to let go. They're going to fall. What do you, what do, you do when your, your, your fingers are about to slip off the bar? Well, in the movies, you grip tighter, right? It's one hand now. What do you do? Try to hang on. The imagery that God shared with us this morning is counterintuitive to what you would do. Let go. Because I got you. Let go. Let go and trust me. Your hope is not in this trapeze bar. Your hope is in me. Your hope is in the the hands, the, the... the gargantuan hands of the Father that are below you saying, let go and trust me. Let go of that situation and call out in prayer. Prayer is letting go. Prayer is letting go. Repentance of sin is letting go. I've got to hold on to this, 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 this thing that's meeting my need. I've got to hold on to this thing. Well, I know it's killing me. I know it's hurting me. I know they're hurting me. What, but I've got to hold on. It's the only thing I have. Let go. Trust me. If it's sin, repent. Acknowledge me. Read on in verse 18. That's what God says. So Lord, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. (laughs) He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. You will hear... Um, Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Then... You will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, Good riddance. Then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There will be wonderful harvests and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The oxen and donkeys that till the ground will eat good grain. It's chaff blown away by the wind. In that day, when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing down every mountain and hill. The moon will be as bright as the sun, and the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days in one. So it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people and cure the wounds he gave them. In this passage, I see three things I want to highlight. We've already started to talk about one, but one thought. If we wait on God, Jesus our shepherd wants to bless us and lead us in the ways that we should go and live. He wants to speak to us. He wants to teach us if we will wait and listen, if we will hear. Second thing, hearing is only half the equation. Hearing implies obedience in a response to his words. And lastly, if we hear and obey, we'll be blessed. He wants to bless us. He's a good father. That's what he wants to do. So first thought, um, If we wait on God, Jesus, our shepherd, wants to bless us and lead us in the ways we should go and live. He wants to speak to us if we'll hear. 
So look at verse 18 again. So the Lord must wait for you to come so he can show you his love and compassion for the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. He's a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. This word wait implies a yielded expectation. It's not like just sitting around playing a game. It's not sleeping. It's not bored doldrum until something happens. It's a yielded, faithful expectation that God is on the move and he's going to do something. I think about the picture that comes to mind in different places where I've been where, the, where people have been hungry or really hungry or starving. When you set up a food line or some kind of distribution for them to get either a meal for the day or maybe a bag of grain or rice for a few days for their family, um, there is an eager waiting, especially if they are hungry today for the food that is about to be given to them. Sometimes they'll put their hands out and they'll, they'll just be looking. And maybe even some of you have been in that place of, I cannot go another minute until I get, I mean, I can't go another minute without food or without drink, even worse sometimes. This is that expectation that we have of God. Blessed are those who wait in expectancy that I will help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. I love that encouragement through Isaiah from God, that when his children cry out to him, he surely, certainly, most definitely helps. Now, He doesn't always help the way that we think he should help, does he? But if we believe that God is a good God and that he is a gracious father and that he certainly helps, I truly believe that the help that God sends is better than the help that I could have created. That's the whole equation, isn't it? Sometimes we have to ask God to help us understand how he's helping how many of you have been in situations where you're like, ah, God is not coming through. He's not doing his job. You might not say it that, that strongly because you're more gracious than I. He's not doing it the way that I thought he was going to do it, and I'm getting impatient. But as I trust in the Lord and then something happens and I look back and I go, oh, that's why God did that. That's what he was doing, and that's actually a lot better and if you would have done it my way, maybe God's doing that in your life right now. Verse 20, though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. There's a Uh, commentators and theologians, when they look at this passage of Scripture, they see within this imagery right here the same imagery of a shepherd with sheep. That this, this sense of the shepherd being behind the sheep and speaking to the sheep which way they should go, what they should do. This gentle but authoritative, strong 
leading of the shepherd behind them as they're walking forward. Obviously, this reminds us of somebody, doesn't it? Reminds us of Jesus. So how do we, our first thing is we're listening and obeying and we're saying, God, we want to hear you. We're positioning you. Here we are, 2016, January 10th. Uh, you've got, you had uh, uh, sheets that I put on your chair that you were emailed and mailchimp if you're a part of our church, to challenge you to listen and think, uh, listen to the Lord and ask God, God, what do you have for me this year? How do we position ourselves before the Lord as he speaks, both through the word of God that we are meditating on and listening to, and we'll talk about that in a second, but also as he speaks to us by his spirit. We, we wait expectantly, and we believe that he's a good father, that cares for us, and that he is speaking to us like a shepherd behind us, saying, Sean, to the left, to the right, go straight. Do you believe that? What's a good shepherd look like? He looks like Jesus. The word became human and made his home among us. That's Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God in heaven came to earth, Jesus, to display for us what it looks like to know God, what God looks like and what it looks like to follow him. Jesus, the good shepherd, forgiving, patient, healer, wise, Revelation, long-suffering. Everything that we see in the life of Jesus, we have as a shepherd leading us. Why do I say that? Oftentimes we don't listen to God because we're afraid of Him. We don't understand Him. We don't understand His ways. But what God wants to do is be like a good shepherd that cares for His sheep. That doesn't want one of them, as we learn through understanding shepherds, but also Scripture, that doesn't want one sheep to go astray, but wants all of us to make it. To make it to food, to make it to pasture, to make it in life, to care for us, lovingly speaking to us along the way. He speaks to us through the representation of who Jesus is. He speaks to us through His Word. Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119. 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is inspired by God, useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'm so thankful for Ben Deaton. Ben, where are you? Get here. Ben uh, took some time, uh, and I don't know how wide he distributed this email, but if you'd like this email, I'm sure Ben would be pleased to send it to you. But he put together... Uh, for, for, uh, for those of us he sent the email to, he put together like a string of different resources and how to read through the Bible, different, different, different applications on your iPhone or different places that you can go depending on how you like to read or what pace you want to read on, all different ways. And I, what I love, Ben, about what you said in the email is, uh, because I think this is what happens in New Year's resolutions and reading the Word of God, uh, you said, hey, you basically gave uh, an inspiring word about how important it is to read the Word of God. Amen. And then, hey, the importance is not to try to get it. If, you're, if you have a year, year Bible plan and you don't finish it, that's okay. Don't worry about whether you're finishing it on time or not, but be, be encouraged by the fact that you're in the Word of God. 
in spending time with Jesus. But I want to just say here, as a person who believes that the Spirit of God speaks to us in our daily lives, direct words of God, like, you know what, you should go to the grocery store right now, because I've got something for you there. You're like, wow, you're weird. I believe that. I, I do listen to the, because he's alive and he speaks. We'll talk about that in a second, how the Holy Spirit speaks with us. I believe that is true. But ladies and gentlemen, I am so concerned with a church, and that's not you. I'm, I'm believing this is not you. But I am so concerned with a church that would believe more about the Spirit of God speaking in a mystical way or in an, a, a way that is through prayer or whatever, which I believe in, which is I'm very much a mystical person, but does not center their lives on the written word of God. There is no way that you and I can really understand the voice of the Lord unless we have understood his voice through the scripture. That's how cults form. Because people do not know the word of God, and therefore every little thing that they hear, or whatever kind of mystical experience they feel... If it's not based on the word of God, they think that voice sounds like God. We've got a thousand of those voices out there. Give me some, give me a body, give me a people that say, you have revealed yourself through the word of God, Lord. And I want to meditate on it day and night. Like a tree planted by the water that yields fruit in its season and out of season. That when the winds blow, it is strong and secure because it's, it's, it's rooted in your word, and who you are. Then, if I'm rooted in the word of God, then I can understand when the spirit of God speaks to me. <coughs> Revelation. Excuse me, I need water. <coughs> John or Mike, can you give me some? I'm not joking. This is not dramatic effect. <coughs> I do have a little bit of grape juice up here, but I don't know. I can, 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 can I do that? <coughs> I'll just think about that for a second. (laughs) Then, when the Spirit of God does often speak to me and you in the moment of time, we know His voice because we know the Savior. And we know the Savior because He's revealed Himself to us through His Word and through prayer, all these ways. But honestly, the way, that's why you have people that preach and teach the way that God reveals his character and his, his personhood and his wisdom is through the Bible. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. <clears throat> Drink it. John, thank you. Uh, okay. Can I make my point? So that by his spirit, John 16 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. That's why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. There is prophetic voice in the spirit of God. God does tell us things about the future. He does tell us things about the present. He does speak to us things that are not in the Bible. And that is not heretical for all of you out there that think it is. It's all-inclusive. The Word of God roots us. 
Nothing that we do or live by should be contrary to the word of God, the written word of God that's been the revelation of God for us. But the spirit of God does live within us. And so the spirit of God witnesses to that which we know in the word of God and says, this is my voice. And then there are times when he can speak rhema, appointed words, in this season, for you in your life, in your own unique journey, and or corporately for the church, that are his voice as well. That's the prophetic voice of God. Do I have an amen? Jesus, thank you. I can't hear, Sean. That sounds all good and well, but God doesn't speak to me that way. Well, start reading the Word of God. That's the first place I'd have you, have you hear the Lord, and that'll be awesome. If God just continues to remind you of Scripture, anybody ever been going through the day and you just kind of remember a Scripture, you're in a situation like that reminds you of a, a verse in the Scripture? Anybody ever? Has that ever, ever happened to anybody? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. You've been, you've been in a situation that's been hard, and all of a sudden, a Bible verse. It might even be a song you sung. It might be a verse in a song that you sang. Guess what? God just spoke to you. Oh, that's, that's trickery. <laughs> he doesn't speak to me. No, that, he just spoke to you. He spoke to you through his written word that is for all time. And he made that come to mind. But he often is not heard because we don't want to hear. We hear more than we really want to hear, don't we? And oftentimes we don't hear any more about our life because we're not obeying what he last told us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that as a parent? My kids, Dad, can I play a video game? Did you clean your room? Huh? (laughs) Dad, can I play a video game? Did you clean your room? How do those two things go together? Because I asked you to clean your room, and if you clean your room, then you can play a video game. Ah! Hey, guys, can you all come help clean the dishes? They're like 10 feet away. Hey, hey. I won't mention any of my kids' names. Hey, Martha. Can you come? Do I have a Martha? Can can you come help clean the dishes? Mom, get this. Milkshakes. Yeah. Where's the milkshake? Heard me when I said milkshake. They didn't hear me when I said clean the dishes, or did they? They, they heard me. Clean the dishes. <laughs> Sometimes we don't hear God because we have selective listening. And it starts at a very early age. Habits are hard to break. God, will you give me a new job? Yep. Check. Heard that. God, I need some increase in my finances. How do I do that? Helps you out. Check. Heard that. God starts speaking, hey, I want you to fast. Huh? Huh? Like for you to, like for you to share uh, Jesus with your neighbor. What? 
we can hear what we want to hear because we obey what we want to obey, just like the children of Israel. I would guess that probably the, the Israelites here were not completely disobedient. They just had idols in their life. And when they didn't respond to God, they walked into judgment. But it says here, if you respond in the way that you should respond, it says in verse 22, then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. I like this proverb, um, verse thir- uh, chapter 13, verse 19. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Oh, man, we like dreams. Give me a dream, Lord. I wanted to make it happen. Well, you need to turn from these evil things in your life for that dream to come about. What? I don't want to pay. I don't have to pay the price to hear and obey God. We like it when God gives us dreams, good words. We just don't like it when it take, what it takes to achieve them. In his kingdom, it starts with us making him king and saying goodbye to the things that really have our allegiance. What has allegiance in your life? We must obey. Jim Yost, a little plug for World Mandate here. Jim Yost, who is, uh, has been a missionary for most of his life in Indonesia, also um, travels around the world and speaks. Uh, his, his first, um, and I'm sure he'll tell this story at World Mandate this year, he's our Saturday night speaker, uh, Aaron Cook was saying, if you come to World Mandate just for Jim Yost, come. He said, I'm still, he thought it was two years ago. It was five years ago. (laughs) He said, I'm still thinking about the things he shared a couple of years ago. We said, that was five years ago, Aaron. He's like, well, okay. Um, So great um, experiences with God, revelation from God. But when he spoke five years ago, um, he shared his story about, uh, you know, he's encountered the miraculous. He saw... uh, a young child raised from the dead that actually opened up the door for this whole, his whole community that he was reaching out to to come to know Jesus. But one of, his, one of his life lessons that he has learned over the years is in order to hear and obey, he has found that you need to do it in the first 48 hours. You don't do it in the first 48 hours. When God asks you to do something and you know that is God, anybody ever heard from the Lord and you're like, I know that's God. Now, it's even better when you do it in the first five minutes, Tabby. But sometimes it takes 24 hours. If he calls you to do something across the world, it takes at least 48 hours to get there. But if we do it within the first 48 hours, again, this is not, this is not biblical, by the way. This is just a practical um, illustration. He's saying if we don't do it immediately was his point, then we either forget about it or we grow fearful or we doubt what we heard. Anybody experience that? You are in a, you're in this service. I've seen some of you weeping and crying, not followed back up with you on what God spoke or what you did. But you encounter the presence of the Lord, and he spoke something very clearly in 48 hours later, and you didn't respond. What's your disposition? Well, I'm not sure I really heard the Lord. Or, oh, I don't know if I can do that. When we hear the Lord... We need to obey. Love motivates our obedience. Love encourages us to obey him. We're going to be sending out a young lady, Amy Miller. She's going to come share with us next week. She's going to Cambodia. 
Why is she going to Cambodia? You're going to hear it when she says it. She says it so eloquently. But basically she says, I, saw, I went to Cambodia. I saw the immense need. God spoke to my heart. You can be a part of the solution to see a church established here that would rescue people from slavery and addiction and despair. And she said, God, I'll go. Hear and obey. Why? Because love motivates us to obey God. When God spoke to Laura and I in our 40s, we want you to have another child. Is he really speaking to you? I think so. Is he speaking to you? I think so. We're old. He's still speaking. We're old and we're tired. Have another child. I can't even imagine five years later not having Isaac in our life. Even when we tell people, how old are your kids? Four, 19. Wow. No. Wow. Because God blessed us. Those who live and obey God, hear his word, position themselves to wait, to listen. He teaches. He leads. He speaks to us through his written word, through the spirit of God. And those who obey, he blesses. Look at that passage of scripture again. The Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There will be wonderful harvests and plenty of pasture land. The oxen and donkeys will till the ground and eat good grain. Um, your enemies will, will be defeated. And there will be streams of water flowing down every mountain and hill. The moon will be bright. The sun will be even t- brighter. So it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people and cure the wounds he gave them. When we listen and obey, we get blessed. Can I ch- tell you a crazy story? I, I find myself not telling these stories oftentimes because it seems so ridiculous, and I don't want to draw attention to ourselves, but maybe it'll help you. If you've ever been in our house up until this time, you've known that we have not, until a few about a month ago, did not come into the 20th century as far as a TV. We had a 1982-whatever TV. don't even know what the name of it was. And somewhere about 15 years ago, I started saying, God, can we have another TV? But, you know, in the context of our finances, TVs are really not that big of a deal to us. We don't watch a lot of TV and actually don't want to watch a lot of TV. That's a whole other message. But TVs are good for some things, especially for sports and, um, <laughs> and movies uh, or whatever. And so about uh, however long ago, uh, I felt like uh, as, as Laura and I were talking about different things, Laura said, you know what, it's okay for us to believe for a TV. We can start thinking about a TV. And so we started believing for a TV, and we got to Thanksgiving, and it was, you know, Thanksgiving and, you know, like midnight, you know, like store opening kind of stuff. The sales are on. That's the big ones. They're luring you in to Best Buy to get that TV. And so I look at Samuel, and we say, let's go get a TV. We're going to go get it. We had already decided, already done my research. I wanted a 48-inch something TV. And... uh so Sam and I went. We thought we'd read the advertisement right at Best Buy that it was going to open at 5, but it wasn't going to open up until 2 in the morning. That was a bummer. So we turned around. We went back home, and I looked at Sam, and Sam said, let's camp out. <laughs> and I'm like, you're crazy. Yeah. So we looked at each other, and we decided we were going to go. We were going to take a little nap. We were going to go camp out and get the 48-inch Best Buy TV for a good deal. So I'm going to go take a nap. Laura's already in bed, and Laura looks up, rolls over at me, and she sit, rolls over towards me as I'm getting into bed to take a couple-hour nap before Sam and I are going to go camp out at Best Buy. She looks at me, and she says, I don't think we're supposed to do that. 
I said, what do you mean you don't think we're supposed to do that? We, we've got a 1982 TV. Takes 14 minutes before it turns on. It's time. The Lord hath spoken. We're camping. He said, I don't think we're supposed to do that. We need to pray. I don't pray. I'm a pastor. Oh, wait a second. Okay, let's pray. I said, no, I think we should pray. So we prayed. And uh, she felt like the Lord said. Oh, so we prayed. She said, when we pray together, we say, what did you hear? She said, what did you hear? And I I said, well, what did did you hear? (laughs) What did you hear from God? She said, I don't think we're supposed to do it. I don't think you're supposed to go. I think God's going to give us a TV. There we're actually, I, I was at peace because I felt like the Lord said, trust your wife. I'm speaking to her. So I said, okay. I said, and I was also thinking, I can go to sleep now, you know. <laughs> and so she said, are you, are you going to be mad at me? <laughs> like, am I blocking your goal? Are you going to be mad at me? I said, no, I'm fine. The Lord spoke. I was at peace to trust the Lord. Week later, week later, Laura calls up. She said, "Did you go shopping today?" I said, "No." She said, "There's a 48-inch TV on our front porch." <laughs> Isn't that awesome? The awesomeness for me in that story is not the TV. I was okay with our TV actually. I mean, sports is a little bit better now. But what was awesome to me was that we listened, we obeyed. I was nice to my wife, and God blessed. And he wants to do the same things for us. Let's pray. Father, you don't always give us what we want. That is true for my life. You don't always give us what we want in the timing that we want it. We don't always know what we want. We don't always accomplish what we want to do. Every goal that we establish, we fail, we give up, we don't make it at times, often, many times. The one thing that I know that I want in my life and I want for every person in this room is we want to live for you and with you and we want to be on a journey, a wonderfully abundant journey with you, Jesus. You said that you would come that we might have life and have it abundantly. So we want to live an abundant life for you. And so, Lord, I just pray over us this morning that we would position ourselves in this season. We're not going to be able to fill out this piece of paper today. We're going to take this with us and we're going to use it or use whatever structure you've given us or our as, as a person or as a couple or a family to listen to you. But we're going to Wait expectantly before you, God. And I'm praying for all of us. Lord, I'm speaking my faith over every one of us in this church that we are going to get before you on our knees, in our hearts, and say, God, we don't want to move to the left or the right, backwards or forwards without you. We want to be on journey with you, Jesus. And when you speak, God, we want to obey because we know that when we obey, there's blessing. 
So Lord, I ask that you even stir faith and confidence in this room that you are a good God and that when we trust in you and let go of that trapeze bar, we are in a good place with you. When we let go of control of the way that life has to look for me to be happy and just let you be our happiness, we're going to be okay. We're not only going to be okay, we're going to find more happiness and more joy and more fulfillment than any other control-oriented thing that we're holding on to in our life. Lord, we're going to be okay when we let go of sin that seems to be really good, but we know is destroying our life. When we repent, you, you said in your word in Acts that if we would repent, times of refreshing come. Times of refreshing come when we turn from our sin. Things that are destroying our life that we know that we know. Your word has said that our spirit bears witness to are not good for our life. God might be even speaking some of those things to you right now. Let go. Let go by, through repentance and saying, God, I'm so sorry. That was rebellious towards you and destructive in my life and others' lives. Would you forgive me and cleanse me and help me move on a path of righteousness? When we do that, the scripture tells us he is faithful to help us, to cleanse us and to restore us. We let go and we listen to you right now to speak. What would you have for me today to obey? What would you have for me today in this season? to walk out in obedience with you. So as Dan just plays, keep your eyes closed. I'm not going to have you come forward this morning as we look at the time. We're just going to close with this prayer of consecration over your life. And I want you to listen. 